Thanks for joining us today for the Ramp Church podcast. We pray that you will be encouraged and empowered by this week's message and you would encounter God wherever you're listening from. If you'd like to know more about Ramp Church Manchester or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website ramp.church/mcr or find us on social media. Now, let's go into this week's message. Thank you. Hello everyone. Oh, is anyone alive this morning? Hello everyone. Well, if you're not excited, I'm excited. I have to apologize because I might fall asleep as I preach because I've not had a lot of sleep because we have a new member of our family. <laughs> and so she's uh, uh, first time here at Ram Church. She's two weeks old. She's at the back. And her name is Harmony Grace Molayo Aladiran. So Molayo means I have joy. And in case you didn't know, Aladiran means, the full name means a generation of pure people. So I'm excited about that. And so it's great to be with you all today. And um, like I said, I've not had a lot of sleep. So I don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I do know what I'm going to say, but I don't know how it's going to come out. So let's just see how it goes. You know, let's pray uh, before we go into the word this morning. Father, thank you so much for uh, this time that we can get into your word Thank you for uh, Ram Church. Thank you for Pastors John and Stacey. Uh, Lord, we bless them as they have some time away, Lord. And I ask that this morning, Lord, you would release your word in a way that brings transformation. Lord, I ask that you would shatter wrong belief systems. You would expose deception. Uh, the entrance of your word brings light. So, Father, let there be light this morning. Father, let every deception, every hold of the enemy on our minds, relationships be destroyed in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 A few weeks ago, maybe two, three weeks ago, um, I was driving with my family uh, through the countryside. And uh, we're going somewhere. We don't always drive in the countryside, but we just happen to be in the countryside. And so, as you guys would know, in the countryside, it's nice. And there's also a lot of sheep around. And so, you know, we were just admiring the view, just chilling out. And then Justice in the back just asked the question. He says, Daddy, why are all these sheep without a shepherd? Instantly, without thinking, I said, it's because modern sheep don't like submitting to shepherds. And as it came out of my mouth, I was like, oh, wow, that's quite uh, intense. <laughs> so my silver and beggar looked at each other, we're laughing, like, oh, wow, that's, that's kind of crazy. And I've thought about that um, since then, and uh, there's a lot I have to say about that, but that's not so much my theme this morning as it is a springboard to talk about the, the way we do church in the 21st century, some things that I believe the Lord wants to bring a shift to, following on from some of the things that Pastor Stacy uh, was sharing about. You know, the scriptures we've been looking at over this last few weeks is, love the Lord you go to all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay, that's the first and the greatest commandment. And then the next is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so over the years, you know, for those of you that don't know, I'm involved in Christian ministry. I lead a ministry called Prayer Storm. And, you know, I've met all kinds of incredible leaders. And I've met all kinds of Christians over these many years. But one of the things that strikes me and is a massive red flag for me when I meet people is people that seem very spiritual with the, with the words they speak. Uh, talk about, you know, how much time they spend praying or how much time they spend evangelizing or how much time they spend doing all these things for God. 
But when I examine the way they relate to people, I can see that they're horrible, hateful, nasty people to be around. That is a lie. Can I say that again? By the way, it's going to get intense. So you might just want to buckle your seatbelt because I'm going to go to some places this morning. And I'm thankful I'm not the pastor of the church. Pastor Joe and Stacey will be here to heal your wounds next Sunday. However, I'm here to inflict some Holy Ghost wounds. <laughs> or oh, maybe that's not the best way to say it. I'm here to expose some things that the enemy is doing that will feel painful, but it has to be exposed. You know what the Bible says? Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Someone said expose them. You see, the blood of Jesus is powerful, right? And, you know, there's so much we can go into about the blood of Jesus. However, the blood of Jesus works in certain conditions. Do you realize that? The blood of Jesus doesn't work in darkness. For the blood to work, you have to be in the light. So the power of sin of, of, uh, often is in its secrecy. So when you hold on to darkness, you don't choose to confess. You don't choose to expose, yet you want the blood to work. It doesn't work that way. You have to confess your sins because he is faithful to cleanse. But the cleansing doesn't just happen without you admitting something is wrong. And sometimes for you to admit something is wrong, someone needs to come and say, hey, something's wrong there. So I have a problem with a version of Christianity that is vertical. Oh, yeah, I love God. Oh, yeah, I worship. But somehow we can't see the fruit in the way you treat people, in the way you talk to people, in the way you treat people at the grocery store, at the way you just, you just are generally. It's impossible. Listen, it's imp someone say impossible. It's impossible to fulfill the first and the greatest commandment, which is to love the Lord your God in all your heart, soul, mind. It's impossible to do that and not run into Jesus himself. Okay? And it's impossible to run into Jesus and not run into his heart for people. So if you're naturally hateful and horrible, you need to examine, do you really love God? Because if you love God, the byproduct of that is going to be seen in how you treat people. Should we take further? How you talk about people. <laughs> I've got some uh, encouragers in the front row. I don't know if the back row is hearing me. <clears throat> Not just how you treat people to their face, how you talk about people when they're not there. I have a strong value system and I fight for this. People who work with me, press them on our staff team, this is one of the things I, listen, if a member of my team is engaged in a lifestyle that uh, connects with this kind of culture and they know how much I'm against this, I have zero, someone say zero. Zero, zero tolerance for strife. I have zero tolerance for this religious, political uh, uh, lifestyle. Sometimes you see it in Christian circles, people, you know, fighting for positions and wanting to be. I have zero tolerance for uh, uh, backbiting. I have zero tolerance for gossip. And we cannot be a church that will grow healthily in love with God 
and not start to place a guard on our mouths. Not just our mouths, our minds. Okay, there's a massive screen up there. Let's just imagine I could go into your mind right now and have a recording of every conversation you've had in your mind and every visual you had in the last week. And let's play it on that screen for the whole church to see. Anyone want to volunteer right now? <laughs> Emma says Laura does. Laura is so holy, so I'm sure Laura is fine. <laughs> and the reason why I'm saying it is not to make you feel guilty. I want you to understand that. See, you're conscious when I say, oh, you don't want anyone to see that. But I hope you realize someone has already seen it. Because it's in your mind and it's your own thoughts does not mean it's just you that's seeing it and hearing it. I want you to imagine this. Your thoughts and your imaginations are heard on loudspeakers and played on plasma screens in heaven. So you're actually never alone. You think you're just alone in your mind? God sees your mind. So when you live with the consciousness that you're actually never alone... It's not just your actions that are important. It's your thought life that's important. And if you're conscious about your thought life, I'm telling you, the secondary consequence of that, you'll be consci conscious about what's coming out of your mouth. I am shocked at Christians. We come to church like this, and we can be so nice to each other. Hey, Sister Laura, you look amazing. Good to see you. The next day, Laura becomes a topic of conversation. And everything we're saying is with a heart that's spiteful, negative, condemning. Am I, am, I, am I just talking to people that are not getting me? Is this making sense? I want to say to you, God is sick of it. And that culture of not honoring each other is going to stifle the true move of God. Because it's hypocrisy. We have to be real. And so, I'm going to go to some scriptures this morning. And um, I'm going to start with this one in Romans. Um, let's see if I can get it. Yes. Romans 16, 17. Now I urge you, brethren, note. Everyone say note. I'm reading from the New King James. Say note. Note those who cause divisions and offenses to... Wait, let me read that again. I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. You know what Paul says? Avoid them. Avoid them. Now, the context is talking about doctrine. It's talking about teaching. But you can also apply it in a wider spectrum because it still fits uh, the, 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 the spirit of the text. Note those people who are all about causing divisions in relationships. Note those people who always have tales to tell about somebody else and what they've done. Is this making sense? It's getting quieter and quieter here. Note those people who always have something bad to say to you about what the pastors have done to them. Now, in case you didn't know, Pastors John and Stacey are not perfect. And in case you didn't know, I am not perfect. And if you think I'm perfect, my wife is right at the back. You might want to ask her about that. You see, the way relationships work is, and I mean, you're all in some form of relationship. 
The closer you get to people, the more you see things you didn't know was there. So from afar, everyone looks nice. From afar, we can hug each other in church and say, hey, it's good to see you. Amazing. God is good. Amen. Oh, you're so Yeah, but let's start spending time together. In fact, let's start living together. Then you're going to realize I like the toothpaste done a certain way. And my wife doesn't. So because of my preference and because of my makeup, the closer we get together, it's natural that there will be what? Conflict. Conflict is not a sign that you're not spiritual. Conflict is not a sign that you're in spiritual warfare even. The fact that I like the toothpaste squeezed from the bottom and someone else likes to squeeze it all the way and make a mess of it, that's not spiritual warfare, is it? But the moment I walk in the bathroom, if I've woken up on the wrong side of the bed and I see that toothpaste the way I don't want it, how many realize I have a choice right there? Because there's an irritation that comes and if I don't deal with that irritation and realize it's just a preference thing, eventually demons land on it. Then now we are in full-blown spiritual warfare because of just human imperfections that you didn't deal with properly. So relationships give you opportunities for conflict. And conflict will come. It's not, it's, it's not it might come. It will come when you choose to get close to people. So what is your grid for dealing with? Have you come to church thinking everyone is perfect here? Because you might as well go home. Because there's no one in this building right now, me, myself included, that is perfect. So you can say amen to my message right now. Okay? But let's start to spend some time together. Then you're going to go, I don't like the way James does that. Oh, yeah. I, I like his message. I like his message. So right there, you have an opportunity to still honor me and recognize that we have differences and have a grid through which you deal with that. Or you could take that and personalize it and allow demons to get involved in it and then become a spokesperson for those demons to other people and poison, not just our relationship, but poison. See, you do the job for the devil. You know the devil is the accuser. Listen to what it does. He accuses you to God. He accuses God to you. He accuses others to you. He accuses you to others. All-round accuser. So you become a spokesperson for the devil. Are you tracking with me? This is what Paul says. Note those who cause divisions. Note them. Note them. Are you conscious about the conversations you're entertaining? The people you hang around that are from church or maybe not from... The things you talk about. As the conversation started to go in a certain direction and you know Holy Spirit is saying, no, this is not okay. Have you had the courage to shut it down? Someone say shut it down. You need to get good at shutting down conversations that are being stirred up to cause division. How can you sit there and entertain the conversation and think it's okay? Knowing that what's being said... You see... It's not the fact that it's even truthful or untruthful. It's the spirit in which it's been said in. The enemy is going to land on that conversation and use it as an opportunity to cause more havoc in the body of Christ. Because he's going to work in the minds of people. Because you've entertained that conversation, 
about that person and you had that conversation right there, the next, per next time the people in that meeting come to church and see that person, guess what they're going to think about? Next time something comes up, something random, guess what their reference point is going to be? So your conversation that's not been led of God but just of the flesh, it's just the gossip, has now become a landing strip for the enemy to express himself in the church. Why would you be a believer that wants to give expression to demons? One moment, Jesus says to Peter, flesh and blood, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father is in heaven. Because Peter said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. You know, he said that, right? And then the next moment, you know what Peter is saying to Jesus? Peter says to Jesus, Jesus, you basically is trying to rebuke Jesus from going to the cross. You know what Jesus turns around and says to Peter? Peter, the man of God, Peter, the leader, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said that to his top leader. Get behind me, Satan. Because when Peter was speaking, Jesus knew. Even though it, this is Peter, his vocal cords and his mind has been hijacked by spirits. So Peter was speaking, but it wasn't Peter speaking. It was the enemy releasing his ideas through Peter. How was the enemy able to release his, his ideas through Peter? The next thing Jesus says is, Peter, you're more conscious about the things of man. In other words, Peter, you're, you're giving in to your fleshly desires. And because you've given in to your fleshly desires, you have become a, spoke, a spokesperson for the devil. Even though a few moments ago you were releasing revelation. Well, let's make, let's make practice. Even though a few moments ago you were worshipping. And you were saying, Jesus, I honor you. And God released a word through you. Or God released a song through you. Or God released a preach through you. The next moment you become a spokesperson for the devil. All because you gave in to fleshly desires that you did not have the courage or even the discernment to shut down. Listen, as the church, if we are going to grow uh, to a place where we are, listen to this, split proof. Are you hearing me? Yes. We have to get good at doing relationships well. We have to get good at honoring each other, knowing that we're not perfect. We have to get good at the thoughts we entertain about each other. Because, you see, God could start a good work. And the enemy will start his research. You see, the Bible says the enemy goes toe and fro. You know that scripture? If you don't know, it, he, the Bible says that. I could give the reference later. The enemy goes toe and fro the whole earth. And sometimes in my imagination, I've thought about that as the enemy goes left and right. Maybe that's true, as in east coast to west coast, throughout the whole earth. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. But I think there's a dimension of that that actually brings another level of a holy fear of God. Is that... The enemy just does, doesn't go, you know, east to west. It goes far back into generations. He, he researches your generational line. He goes up and down. You know what he's looking for? He's looking for cracks. He's looking for openings. He's looking for opportunities so where, opportunities that will give him a legal ground because the spirit realm is all about legal, legalities. I hope you, we don't have time to go into that. He's looking for a legal ground that he can exploit 
to bring oppression. So he's, he's researching. So you know the Bible says, no weapon formed against you. So I've got my friend here, Emma Mould. See, Emma Mould has a different makeup to me. Obviously, we look the same color. Still with, but... So there are certain things that the enemy would form to come against Emma because of Emma's makeup. So, see, the Bible says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. What you need to understand is the enemy, the enemy has a lab in which he forms specific weapons. The weapons that may get Emma will be different to the weapons that may get me. So, as I journey in God, my, part of my role is to make sure that I give the enemy no room. And the flesh is one of the key areas which the enemy exploits us as believers to gain room, to bring oppression, to bring division, to bring distractions, to bring all kinds of junk. It comes through the flesh. And so the more you become vigilant of your fleshly weaknesses and are quick to shut it down, expose it, repent of it, get rid of it, the better it is for you. Because you're quick to shut down the activities of the enemy in your life. And also you're quick to shut down the potential for the enemy to use you. The en- Do you realize we say, God use me, God use me. The devil is using many Christians. Have you thought about that? Because of your... Uh, because you're, uh, you're not quick to deny self and shut down the flesh, the enemy is quick to exploit your flesh to become, like, just like he did with Peter, to become his voice. And so we could be in church right now, we could finish the service, and you could be having a nice conversation with someone, and because that person has not dealt with their jealousy, you don't know they've not dealt with that jealousy. You don't know that. But you're having a conversation, all of a sudden, because of their partnership with that, that thing, they voice something that was in the pit of hell from the enemy. They voice that to you, and you heard that, and when you, when you heard it, you felt somehow, but you don't know why you felt the way you did. And then you go home, you think, why am I feeling this way? And if you're like me, I process every conversation. Where did this come from? I'm like, oh, it came from that. Okay, what was it about that? And then I'm having to try to break down. What's that? See, you don't realize we can become the very tools that the enemy uses to destroy what God is doing if we're insensitive. Just, just running your mouth anyhow. Talking about anyone anyhow. See, when people offend you, there is a protocol. Someone say protocol. And that's where I want to go to. Matthew 18. There is a protocol to dealing with relational conflict because you've got to accept the fact that there will be conflict. It's not a matter of we're not spiritual. It's not a matter of, you know, we're better than them or that church over there. Then Listen, I don't care how amazing the church is on this planet. You join it and it's no longer perfect and there's going to be more conflict. As amazing as it looks on YouTube, you get there in person and there's going to be things you never realize what's happening in that church. You're going to find people that are irritated, people that don't like you. So how do you deal with that and still remain in the spirit? It's great thing is the answers are in scriptures in plain sight. But it's so amazing how many of us Christians ignore biblical principles. Listen to this in Matthew 18. Matthew 18, 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, by the way, you can ask sister there too. 
If your brother or sister sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Pause. What did he say? If your brother or sister sins again, in other words, you got offended. Listen to what he didn't say. If your brother or sister sins against you, go and tell all your friends. Make a post on Instagram and code it in a way that you don't put their name in it, but everyone who knows you knows who you're talking about. Or find a quote from your favorite preacher that deals with that person and put it on there hoping that they see it. Hello? If your brother sins against you, go to him. See, this, I am so passionate about this. I wish I could get you all and just shake you like this and say, go to him. So many damage will be dealt with or will be avoided rather if we would just go with this simple principle. Now you may say, James, you're shouting. Yes, I'm shouting. Because I've seen many relationships destroyed by gossips, immaturity, people who don't realize they've become an agent of the devil and they think they're being spiritual, but they're destroying the work of God because they won't go to the person. If, uh, if my friend Lisa does something that I don't like, I should not go to Emma to talk about it. I should not go to Laura to talk about it. I should not go to my sister to talk about it, tell everyone else, apart from Lisa. Do you know what that does? I tell Emma, I tell Laura, I tell Pete, I tell... So now, because of... And you see, there's always... Everyone says there's always two sides to the story. Always two... So they hear my side. And obviously, it's going to be favorable with my perspective. And most likely, because they're friends of mine, they're probably going to come into agreement with me. See, agreement is a powerful weapon. On the positive and the negative side. There's a power in agreement when we pray. On the spiritual side, that's, that's good. But there's also negative agreement. So I share that with Emma, and she comes into agreement with my hurts. She comes into agreement with my hurts. He comes with my hurts, and right there, we've created a stronghold. Because of our agreement with hurts, we become the stronghold that the devil would express himself through. And so now that poison, if Emma doesn't deal with it, it's going to grow and it's going to affect her relationship uh, with, uh, with, uh, with Lisa. Because next time Emma sees Lisa, that's what she's going to think about. And Emma will never probably have the guts to tell Lisa about it. So that remains there, festering in the mind. Month on, year on, it goes on like that. And then some big thing happens. Something disconnected from... Uh, what happened between me and Lisa? Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah, I do have a sweat rag. I forget to clean. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'll clean my sweat right now. So, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. So, something else happens that's disconnected from this issue. Something else. And then Emma hears about it. Uh, Laura hears about it. You know what's going to trigger in her mind? I always knew that person was blah, 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 blah. Well, this happened. And so, it's, it's feeding into a history. A demonic history. Now, I am not, again, you heard me, we are not perfect. And people are going to say things and do things that are going to make you annoyed. But the biblical order, go to them. Go to them. Many, many uh, uh, relational breakdowns and all kinds of random things happening will be sorted out, I believe, if we will just summon up courage. To go to someone and say, hey, 
you know, uh, a few days ago, this happened. It, this, this is what you need to also be aware of. When someone does something that offends you, you need to examine yourself. Because it, it might not be that they've got the issue. It might be that you're the one that has the issue. Because you're still reacting from the pain of previous relationships. And you're using that lens to view this person's action. And because you're not, listen, self-aware emotionally, you think it's all about them. But you don't realize you took that offense because, you've, because you, were, you had some bad experiences in the past. And whatever they did without them meaning, they just triggered something from the past. And now you think they're the problem? Hey, just examine yourself a moment. Could it be that their pains and maybe your previous church, the pastor treated you a certain way? Or the pastor said, and so all of a sudden, that church and the church where uh, before that, there were all these uh, uh, toxic, bad ways of leadership that you experienced. And so you didn't get healed. Listen, you need to get, someone get healed. You need, is it, is it just, I'm, uh, is anyone alive in this room today? People at the back, are you, can, you, can someone wave to me? Michael, are you up there? <laughs> you need to realize you need to get healed in your heart. Oh yeah, I've got an issue. See, many people have so many issues. Sometimes not even just a, like church leaders. It's a father issue. And you don't realize that father issue you have is now being manifested in all kinds of relationships. Relationships of guys. You just, all of a sudden you meet a guy and you can't trust them anymore. Or you, you have a way of you react in a certain way, but you've not actually stopped to realize it's not them. You just haven't got healed. So before I even go to Emma and say, Emma, you did this. I need to go, okay, wh wh where is this coming from? Is everything okay in my heart? Am I reacting? See, you need to be uh, emotionally intelligent. You need to be self-aware. Are, are you able to examine yourself and see patterns? It's amazing to me how people are blind to themselves. Now, there's sometimes a record says to me, James has got bad breath. That's good. <laughs> the crazy thing about bad breath is, oftentimes I'm the last person to know I've got it. And you're the last person to know you've got it. Everyone else feels the impact apart from you. So I say, Becky, anytime you know I've got bad breath, tell me right away, right away, right away. <laughs> so... Sometimes you are blind. It's like a blind spot. You're not even aware that you're just reacting out of all this stuff. And sometimes people need to come and tell you, hey, do you realize this pattern? Just stop and do a self-examination. I don't mean an introspection where you become all self-pity party. No, just examine your relationships. Examine your, those of you that are variable age, believe it. Examine those relationships that have never worked out. Is there a pattern? Is there something going on in relationships I've had over my life? That's pointing to something of an area that I need to get healing with. Because some of you, it's the issue is not the guys or the issue is not the girl. It's just you've not really dealt with some things from the past. And you want to journey into this new season or this new relation with all that stuff. It's going to keep happening again and again in different ways with different people, but again and again. And you need to be able to pause and go, oh my goodness, I have a problem. It's one of the best things you can do to admit to yourself. I have a problem with anger. I have a problem with jealousy. I have a problem with authority. I have a problem with pastors. Because that is the pathway to healing. 
if you don't even know you have the problem, then we, we, we are in a bigger problem. Because you now become the agent that will be used by the enemy to bring destruction. While you're in the church worshiping and loving God, but not realizing you are bringing destructions to what God is doing. Excuse me. And so I am so big on this, honestly. I can't stress this enough. Listen, the constitution of our community is more important than the fervency of our prayers. I'm going to repeat that again because I don't know if you heard me. I'm going to explain what I mean. The constitution of this community is more important than the fervency of our prayers. And when I say constitution, what are the things that we are agreeing on as core values? For me, zero tolerance for strife. And so what that means is, I don't want to come into a worship service or prayer meeting, even if there's just 10 of us in there. Because I have part of the constitution of my community is zero tolerance for strife. If I come to that meeting and I know we're supposed to pray, but I know that there's issues unresolved between me and brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so and this other person over here, I cannot be there and pray. Because the whole idea of corporate prayer is based on this one word. Are you with me? Unity. Everyone say unity. Unity does not mean you say amen to my prayers. Thank you. Unity does not mean when I say, Lord, we pray for the young people. We pray for a move of your spirit. Lord, blah, 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 and you say amen. That doesn't mean unity. Even though you verbally agreed... It doesn't mean there's unity. Because unity goes deeper than just words. Unity goes to the heart. It means when me and Laura, uh, Lisa, uh, we get together, Emma and other people, we get to, pee, we get to, get to pray, and we're going to pray for the youth of this church. Before we start praying, my heart needs to be right with Emma. Emma's heart needs to be right with Laura. Laura's heart needs to be right with Pete. Then when we come together and we are crying out to God for something in church, there is already a basis of heart connection. So the amen of the words is only expressing what's already going on in the heart level. Are you with me? So it's not just amen, amen, amen. Yes, Lord, we honor you. No. See, what really is happening, see, you can deceive me and I can deceive you, but we cannot deceive the spirit world. So what really is happening is we come to church and someone is leading worship. Lord, we honor you. This is the day of freedom. And you, I'm, this is an example. Not, I'm not saying you've done this. But you over there looks at the guy at the back who's just got a new girlfriend. And like, well, you know, who does he think he is? And so you're processing that thought. And you over there have come here offended because someone over there at the back of the church said something to you last week that you didn't get over. And you're still trying to get over there and deal with that. And then you over there, you see someone else. Uh, maybe maybe they just got married. Lord, I've been believing for a child. I've not got one. And you're upset. And then someone else at the back is annoyed because Pastor Stacy said something last week that I thought, you know, who does this thing? She doesn't know I've been through. How could she have said something like that? And then someone else over there is, is carrying that offense. And then we all bring all this stuff together. See, our eyes can't see it, but heaven sees it. And then we say, oh Lord, we worship you. Do you realize that is contaminated worship? Because your heart is wrong. Worship does not come from music. It comes from the heart. And if your heart is not right, God does not receive your worship. So why should you try to worship or even pray? 
when your heart is not right with people. And what the Lord is saying is for us to maximize the authority and the potential in the corporate space when we gather together to worship, to pray, for us to maximize that, we have to have a strong constitution. Zero tolerance for strife. When the brother or sister sins against you, you're quick to deal. Because when you don't deal with it, it actually affects the corporate ranking. I don't have time to go into that. See, you could have 5,000 Christians gathering in Manchester to pray or worship. That doesn't mean that gathering has corporate ranking to shift the powers of darkness over the region. You could have 20,000 Christians gathering. It doesn't mean because the number is large, it equates to they have corporate ranking to shift if I could have 50,000. See, what, there, there are many factors that determine the corporate ranking of a, of a body of believers. But one of it is this thing I'm dealing with right here. Our hearts with each other. And then obviously there's purity. Because all these things, you've got to realize the spirit world, it's like it's just so plain and clear. You, don't, you, you can't deceive anyone in the spirit world. It's just right there. Someone, someone observing you from the spirit realm looks at you and can read you. The hurts you're carrying. Some people worry about, oh, can the devil read my mind? He doesn't, he, can't, he cannot read your mind, but he doesn't really need to be able to read your mind to discern from a spirit realm what's going on with you. Because in the spirit realm, you admit who you are. You, you can't hide it. So everything you are, you admit it. If you're holding on to bitterness, it's very obvious from the spirit realm. If you're holding on to unforgiveness, it's very obvious. So the enemy doesn't need to read your mind. It's right that it can be seen. Anyone who is observing from the realm of the spirit. And so it's not just us getting together in large numbers. Thank God for that. However, I believe what God really wants is a deeper level of connectedness to each other. A deeper commitment to a constitution for relationship. Which is, I can't be saying I'm loving God if I'm not loving my brother well. And if I'm going to love my brother well or my sister well and something comes up, I'm going to summon up courage to go to them. Now, I've lost track of time. <laughs> when it comes to confrontation, this is the way I look at it. Now, when we got married, before we got married, uh, in fact, I was just thinking about this as we were at the back worshiping. My wife came to my house, uh, my parents' house. I was there. And uh, I, think, uh, I think my sisters were talking in the back, in the kitchen. And uh, it was very loud and very intense. And she got scared. She thought, oh, goodness, they're having a fight. What's going on? What's going on? So they come out. And she's like, and she's like is everything okay? Because she thought they were having a fight. And they were like, oh, we're just having a conversation. She's like, oh, okay, this is a whole new world to me. Because for her, the conversation has to be very calm and, calm and collected. But for people like me, <laughs> we could be having a conversation and my volume is going higher and higher. And I, I'm not mad, right, as I'm preaching right now, I'm not necessarily mad at you. It's just me. So, so when we start talking, we're having a conversation. She's like, James, you're a 10. You need to be a two. <laughs> in other words, your intensity needs to drop right now. I'm like, okay, okay. So as we start to really, I realize that 
we have different ways of dealing with conflict because in the early days when we first got together, I think Rebecca's uh, 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 natural kind of tendency when it's time to confront something is flight. <laughs> Whereas mine was, let's, let's deal with this until it's done. <laughs> so you can imagine she's running away, I'm not running after her. No, we're, we're going to do, we're going we're gonna to sort this out. So over time, we took time to realize where is that flight coming from? And so we took some time to process that. Okay, that's where it's coming from. Okay, and my natural disposition for intensity needs to drop too. So that we can have a good compromise where we can deal with things as they come up. So we've uh, developed a culture where we always, always deal with everything that comes up. So there is no issue that has not been talked about. There is nothing hiding somewhere. I am an open book, she's an open book. And so when something comes up, we deal with it. We talk about it. So I, I don't necessarily like confrontation, but if I need to confront, I will confront. And you need to know that too if you're here today, because if I need to speak to you about something, I will do it. With me, what you see is what you get. I don't have some kind of hidden agenda. So over time, I started to realize, one, when I am offended at something, one, I have to examine myself, but I have to also examine the situation. That offense, did that come because that person was just having a bad day? They just, it's just, you know, I'm thinking of this in the work context. So I teach this to my staff as well. Is that person just having a bad day? And everything's just, you know, they just, things are not going okay. And can I examine that situation in a way where I can go, okay, they're just having a day, an off day or whatever. You know what? I'm just going to let it go. So what I call that is love covers. Because truly, love does cover. So there are times when we honestly and sincerely need to let go of offense without the other person coming to say sorry. Because you've examined yourself, examined the situation, like, okay, actually, I need to let go of this. Now, you have to make sure that when you decide you're letting go, you truly mean that. Because six months down the line, you have no right to bring that back up. Oh, well, six months ago, I walked in the church, you were wearing a red shirt, and you were wearing white shoes, and you looked at me in a certain way, and you talked to me in a certain way when I asked for coffee after church. And so, I thought you said you let go and you covered it. Why are you still bringing it up now? It means you never let go of it. You are in self-deception. So, it's not wrong to feel like you can't let go. If it's hurting you that bad, then you know what the next part is? Love does not just covers, love confronts. If it's bothering you that bad and you can't get over it and you've examined yourself, you've examined the situation and you still feel this deep hurt about what that person did, then you need to step into the the next dimension of love. Confront. Confront is not always bad. Just have a conversation. Pray about it, okay? Hey, can I speak to you? This, and can I say, you don't confront over text. And you don't confront over email. Or Facebook Messenger. You confront in conversation. Face to... Oh, I didn't know Josh were here. I could see you, Josh. I, see, you can face-to-face conversation. 
You talk it through an event in another part of the world while trying to have a FaceTime or trying to have a conversation. Have something that's beyond just texting back and forth because so much can be read into all that that can cause a lot more damage. <clears throat> so, love covers and love confronts. Everyone say love covers and love confronts. So, we want to see God use the Ram Church to be a platform to express His revival. So we're going to give zero tolerance for gossip. Zero tolerance for slander. You see, it amazes me. There's some people, their hearts are, I don't know, maybe they've just been through so much hurt and pain. They are okay with saying things about other people that they know is wrong. That's slander. Or half-truths, but exaggerating the bad. To damage the reputation or image of that person to everyone they meet. That's, that's a poisonous person that we just read about in what's it, uh, Romans 16, 17. Make a note and avoid. Everyone say avoid. Because we want to guard and protect what God is doing. We want to be a community where the enemy does not have just... Uh, easy way of just getting into relationships and just wreaking havoc. I can't tell you how many church splits, not that I know that in my natural mind, but I know just from experience how many church splits, how many relation, relationships have been broken down just because people are not willing to be honest with themselves and deal with things the right way. We would minimize, I believe, a lot of all these breakdown of relationships in the way it has been for many, even in the church, even many here today. If we just learn to deal with things right. So what happens if you're having an issue and it's your pastor, it's your leader that you're having an issue with? Well, I think it's good. See, as church grows and gets bigger, you've got to appreciate that the pastor is limited in his uh, capacity to be able to spend one-on-one -on -one time with everyone. So I think you need to, you need to, I don't know if uh, Joe and Stacey will be okay with me to say this, but I know from, my relationship with John Stacey, which is over 10 years now, and being part of the ramp, when you've got to know people, I think it's good to think the best of people. I know for a fact, John Stacey, I know here about, per they're not about personal agenda. They're not about trying to build their own name and trying to, I know that their heart is right to serve God. And so I think, even let's put uh, Pastor John Stacey out of it. When we're dealing with leadership structures, we have to, I think there, is a, there's a, there has to be a foundation of trust. Maybe it's your workplace leader or, you know, in a Christian charity or whatever. There has to be a foundation of trust. Do I trust this person's heart? Well, if the answer is yes, then actually there has to be so much grace when dealing with offenses. And so there is a lot of wisdom that needs to be applied when you're trying to talk about issues that you are personally struggling with. And I know that this is a church, this is a space where we want to be open and real with one another. But remember how I started this message. I said, we're driving through the countryside. And my son said, Dad, what's going on with all this sheep without the shepherd? And I said, well, 21st century sheep don't like submitting to shepherds so by the way john stacy pastor john stacy have not told me to come to preach this they'll probably be cringing hearing me say this right now when there is trust 
and you know God's call those leaders I think that the next step especially if you're going to be a part of this church is you know what submitting to authority submission does not mean that it's always going to be the way you want it if you're going to submit their things that their preferences their their leadership styles that our leaders here will take that you may be oh well maybe that's not my preference but if you're trusting then i think submission should be a secondary consequence of that am i making sense here today and so when issues do come up and they will the closer you get to people things are going to come up i think i want to highly 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 recommend everything i've said and i repeat it as i finish make sure you examine yourself you examine the situation in prayer and if it's a love covers moment let love cover it and move on and if it's a love confront ask god for the timing to address some of these things because i know that our pastor john says it will not be opposed to conversations where something of this sort has maybe sprung up in your heart and you wanted to talk it through i'm sure they won't be opposed to that but just be aware that they have limitation in their capacity you know there's not so much they can do they, they can't do everything so it's good to examine the situation it's good to pray about it say lord is this something i should bring and if it's something to be brought up when is a good time to do that as opposed to hold on to the offense let it fester in there talk to person a talk to person b talk to person c still fester in there say nothing week after oh pastor it's good to see you or whatever it is maybe your uh community not community group what we call uh what, what do we call it again is it community group oh okay i don't know why i just thought that was in it yeah your your leader in your house group community group you know you maybe something happened in there and you know you're not dealing with it and you're just allowing it to fester in there eventually the enemy is going to use that to become a point where he brings a havoc to the church i'm going to round this up because i know i've gone on for long i've lost track of time what i really feel passionate about is us doing relationships well and I want to say this can I have a musician please uh, if you could just play in the background that'd be awesome or the band come up you got to realize that the enemy wants to fight what God is doing and one of the ways I know he's doing that and is gonna do that more or try to do more of that in the days to come is through your relationships make it your priority to handle relationships with integrity I said I was gonna round up but I just thought of something else sorry um, my wife and I have a kind of thing we talk about every now and again uh, and it's this we don't do falling out do you hear me we don't do falling out no I fell out with this person we don't talk anymore we don't do that because the nature of the cross is reconciliation. The nature of the cross is reconciliation. So if he himself had that in him to reconcile us to God, how much more you wanting to make sure relationships are right? Now, I know relationships are complicated. Don't get me wrong. And as I'm saying this right now, there are multitude of layers of complications in all sorts of relationships here. But I'm saying at a heart level, how about you adopt this as a way of just doing life 
falling out with people, for me, it's not a healthy way to live. Fall out here, fall out here, fall out here, fall out here. And I just have more. I can't think of one relationship I have right now in my life, now, where I've fallen out and I never talk to them again. Now, it doesn't mean that we've not had confrontation, but we've had to work it out. And sometimes the confrontation has led to the establishing of boundaries. That's meant, okay, I know where you are. We're going to have to agree to disagree here. We can still talk, but we might not be able to walk closely together. But I am not burning my bridges. Because those same relationships, honestly, I've seen God turn those relationships around to become the source of greatest blessing in my life. Did you hear what I just said? There are some relationships in my life right now that I had so many opportunities to burn bridges. And if I burn those bridges, I know I'll be missing out some significant blessings I'm walking in now. Because that same relationship, God turned it around. So I don't do falling out. I do confrontation. I do covering. I do honoring you. But I'm not in the business. Oh, we never talk again. We see each other and we just ignore each other. How can I do that and come to church and worship effectively? And and how can I pray and think my prayer is going to overthrow powers of darkness? When I am in bed with the very essence and character of the devil and offense and bitterness is rooted in my heart. You can't have authority over an enemy you're sleeping with. If you're holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness, forget about spiritual warfare and rebuking the devil. The devil is already in you. Uh Uh-oh. Because your bitterness is his ground. Are you hearing me? Do you want to stand with me? I think we need to repent this morning. I need to repent. Some of you, it's a case of you know exactly what you need to do. You need to go home or after this service, you need to give someone a call. You need to forgive someone. You, you would be amazed at the amount of financial breakthroughs, the amount of physical healing that's held back because of unforgiveness and bitterness and jealousy and all this junk of the, of the enemy that we've entertained in our lives. We're going to end this service by saying, Lord, no more. No more are we going to tolerate this. We don't want to come into agreement with envy, with jealousy, with backbiting, with, with, with all these things that the enemy stirs up in gossip and slander. Lord, we repent for entertaining conversations. Conversations that have had slander in them. Conversations that have had such an evil heart and motive in them. We repent of this, Jesus. We want to be a people that honor you and honor each other. We want to be a people that love you well. Come on, church. We've got to do this right. If we want true revival, we need to do relationships well and say lord i want to do relationships well expose those patterns those patterns in my life that have been wrong those patterns in my life where the enemy has just taken advantage of hurts of the past lord bring your healing where i don't trust men where i don't trust women where i don't trust leadership where i don't trust people in authority lord i ask that you would heal my broken heart Give me the right perspectives, Jesus. Jesus, I want your order. 
I want your order in my mind, in my emotions and in my heart. There's got to be a change in me. There's got to be a shift in my focus. I have got to have you. Zero tolerance for the works of the enemy. Zero tolerance for bitterness. Zero tolerance for strife. Zero tolerance. Come on church. 